Michael is a builder whom in the midst of a pandemic did a little research and he found out how he could build smarter and more carefully in regards to the environment. He partnered with American Forest, the oldest national nonprofit conservation organization in the United States. With American Forest, they are planting trees and you can plant trees as well for just a dollar. Trees are very important. Everybody knows that. And for a dollar, come on. Tonight's tip from the Eco Hero Handbook by Tessa Wardley, ironically, or perhaps planned. The question is, I know trees absorb carbon dioxide. Can I plant more? Solution. Worldwide tree planting programs could remove two-thirds of emissions from human activities that are in the atmosphere today, and governments are making commitments to what seems to be a readily available and affordable solution. Tree planting doesn't require technological advances. Everyone can get involved, and there are many positives for the planet. Trees reduce flooding and pollution, support a wide range of wildlife and make landscapes more resilient and beautiful and at onetreepledge.org it's a dollar a tree it's something you can do you can be an eco hero and be part of the solution saw one was in the himalayan mountains being viewed um from 30 40 plus miles out a site that hasn't been viewed that far um since people could remember there were pictures of the canals in venice italy um, that were notoriously the most polluted waters and actually the water starting to clear up and marine life and fish starting to swim around. <clears throat> and it really made me think about what human activity does to our environment. And me personally, I love the outdoors. I built homes by the beach and it's all about enjoying nature, the beaches, the oceans. And I really wanted to align my business interests and my personal interests with being a good steward for the environment. So a year ago, I wouldn't have considered myself an environmentalist, but doing the research on what we're doing to our planet um, as a society is is really mind-blowing. And as a builder, I realized that my activities and my business activities were at that point serving a detriment to the environment. And I wanted to figure out how to align my personal interests with my business interests and create a sustainable future for myself, my kids, and future generations. And that put me on a long research fact-finding mission and how to align all those interests. So I started out, <clears throat> well, it was really, it was really um, a lot of different facets to it. But I started looking into different construction methods, how to be more sustainable, um, what the actual footprint um, of my business activities were. And I wanted to negate them. So every project I did not only provided benefits to my clients, but also provided benefits to you know humanity and the earth. Um, so I changed a lot of various methods in my construction, sourcing materials a lot closer. And then I audited all of my homes to see the greenhouse gas emissions through utilizing the homes through electrification, HVAC, um, utilizing the homes and trying to figure out a way to be net zero as like the common term is. So <clears throat> yeah, first I started on reductions, which building tighter building envelopes, um, you know, higher um, energy star appliances, less heat loss. And this is all reducing our greenhouse emissions. So I wanted to figure out how to negate them. And the only way to do that is to sequester carbon. So I started researching various technologies and carbon capture, seeing how they could be utilized on a residential level. And 
the technology is fantastic that's out there, but it's not quite as mainstream to be incorporated on the residential level. And then I don't really recall exactly how I thought of it, but we all remember back in science talking about photosynthesis and trees breathing in carbon dioxide, using it for photosynthesis and then expelling clean air and oxygen. So, you know, I had that in my head, but at a certain point it just clicked and it was like, aha, you know, nature has a solution um, to help mitigate greenhouse gases. And we're seeing it in all facets, you know, whether it was scrubbing pollution out of the skies, um, different types of, you know, nature cleaning waters and allowing fish habitats to come back and start to thrive. It was just this aha moment. So I then started to pursue various organizations um, that do tree plant. And I'm a builder by trade, um, not a horticulturist. You know, I love the outdoors, but I don't know what trees thrive where um, and how to get the most impact. So speaking with a number of different organizations, I had a fantastic meeting with American Forests, and they are one of the, they are the oldest conservation organization in the country. They've been around since the 1870s. And since then, they've been figuring out best practices on how to plant trees, where to plant trees to have the biggest impact, um, both from a ecological point as well as sequestering carbon. Um, so what, what really turned me on to them is one, their know-how, and then also that they have many projects where they plant trees on federally protected land. So that's going to ensure that the trees don't get cut down, um, as well as have the best chance for, for success. So <clears throat> it's not quite one tree fits the bill, but depending on the geographic location and various environmental factors, they're planting specific trees in specific regions to help reforest areas for maximum ecological sustainability. Um, from animal habitats to cleaning water, preventing runoff, and helping florists uh, regenerate naturally. Um, so doing this now, they've been doing it for almost 150 years, and they're still pioneering best practices, methods, um, and, and certain species and where to plant it. So it just seemed to be a perfect fit that they provided the know-how um, to plant trees and where and how to how to you know, formulate best practices. So when I started this partnership, I worked closely with Jad Daly, who's the CEO of American Forest. At one point I was, you know, I started with the focus of carbon sequestration. So we worked pretty closely with him and trying to figure out um, what the average tree that they plant um, sequesters, um, how long the trees live, um, factoring in that I'd love to say all these trees survive, but they're working on about an 80% survival rate, which is very good in the tree planting genre, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so working very closely with, with, with Jad, um, we were able to come up with some real metrics on the benefit of our efforts. Um, so I could boil it down for you if you want. It gets a little mathematical, but we um, actually have a carbon mass section on our One Tree Pledge website mm-hmm. um, that helps to break down um, exactly what these trees do over the lifespan of the tree. So 
<clears throat> so that's, you know, that's kind of like one piece of the puzzle. Um, I, as I previously, as I previously said, I audited all of my, well, not all of them, but I audited all of my projects from the last three years by collecting, um, all the utility bills, electric bills. So that I, so that way I could get, you know, a further insight to the greenhouse gases we're producing from utilizing. So I recognize that me being or trying to be a sustainable builder using what I call best practices, my homes produce a lot less greenhouse gases than the average home across the country. Um, so for me, I made a personal commitment to plant one tree for every square foot of homes that I build um, or a minimum of 5,000 trees per project. And Again, on my projects, this greatly helps to more than offset um, the, the gases from utilizing the homes as well as bringing in the materials to construct the homes. So, so that's, in essence, how it started. Um, and then as I, I started doing this just for myself and through talking with friends, colleagues, clients, I realized that a lot of people have the same have the same love for the environment and nature and people are just unsure about what actions they could take and and do to be a good steward. So, again, I tried to make this as easy as possible. Um, by planting one tree for each square foot um, and utilizing a strategic partner that could help do it on federally protected lands. And we're able to do it for a minimal price of $1 per tree, um, which is really inexpensive. And you could do it with a couple clicks of, you know, from our Mm -hmm. website. Um, But I wanted to open it up and, and, and create a platform for more people that want to do something um, to do this. So that's when we created the site, onetreepledge.org. Um, and we're hoping that other builders take the pledge and plant one tree for each square foot of new buildings that they do. And then we try to open it up to consumers that are building a house, but live, you know, living in a house, an apartment, um, and give them the means and the ability to do something and feel great and help to mitigate all of their greenhouse gases from utilizing the homes that they live in. So on our website, again, we, we have a carbon mass section where we've broken down averages. So I work, you know, I worked with you regular data from, I think, the Department of Energy um, and a bunch of other, other government websites to figure out average homes, average um, electrification, average natural gas usage, um, and really help to break down the math. But by using these averages, still by planting one tree for each square foot of the average home, you're helping to mitigate all the greenhouse gases you're util- you're creating from staying in your home. And the beautiful thing is that these trees live for an average of 50 to 75 years. So as you take the pledge or you plant trees, that carbon sequestration that's happening each year is happening each and every year for 50 to 75 years. So it really is a simple concept that's easy to do. And that's our overall goal um, with One Tree Pledge. So I apologize if I just talked over the no, initial question. No, <laughs> You're, no, absolutely. I was, I'm fascinated and I have so many questions and a couple of them might be dumb. So in the case of planting a dollar a tree is so doable for anybody and no, you know, no shade to uh, world's finest chocolate, but this could be something, a fundraiser that your kid does in elementary school, donate a dollar and we'll plant a tree. And it's just, it's so easy to do. It's such a simple concept. And I love you personally are dedicating one tree per what every square foot of the house. And around here, most houses, I mean, without being 
McMansions are about what two to three thousand, and that's that. I mean, it's mind-boggling the amount of trees that is. So I'm going to just go through my question. And also, you said um, the trees live about fifty to seventy-five years. However, this is a, a kind of like a regenerating um, cause or a regenerating process because trees are continuously being planted. Fingers crossed, and <laughs> that's what yeah. we want. That, that trees are continuously being planted. So even as they're dying off, they're being more seedlings and more trees are growing. Absolutely. I mean, talk about sustainability. And I love that you're trying to reduce your your footprint in the homes you're building as well. And you've you've brought in green practices, like you said, um, sourcing closer to the to the site. And are you looking at more sustainable products or um, recycled, upcycled, upcycled? Yeah. So we're yeah we're doing we're doing everything Um, from a construction standpoint. We're sourcing materials. We partnered with. Um, you know, we're still using lumber, but we're partnered with, um, lumber suppliers that have this big sustainable mission and are planting 10 to one trees for everyone they cut down. Um, we're sourcing products closer. We're building very, very tight building envelopes. And I'm in the process with numerous manufacturers about talking about how to take what I call the dirty materials, um, and, and try to come up with more sustainable alternatives. And there's a lot of companies doing it and I'm in contact with them. And it's really, it's exciting stuff. It's, it's really, it feels like we're at the forefront of an industry that's just getting started, even though the construction industry has been around for a while. Um, but we're finally seeing a real push um, from a product standpoint. So it's exciting. Well, even just the choice of more energy efficient um, appliances or windows, you know, doors that seal better so that the energy is not, you know, when you've got bad windows, your air conditioner works harder burns more energy it's just amazing like now it seems not easier to be environmental friendly so to speak but compared to five ten years ago this the resources that are out there i think people are paying more attention which is wonderful how long have you been building uh so i have been building without dating myself this will be 19 years (laughs) okay so imagine 19 years ago when you first started out compared to the things that you have available to you to be able to make a a more energy efficient or more a green home. Absolutely. And and the choice is all you have to do is open your eyes and do a little bit of research and everything Mm -hmm. is right there, um, which is pretty exciting. And the people you've spoken to, colleagues and people that are in the same business, they seem receptive to the idea of creating a a better house. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have, you know, I don't know if it's the energy I'm putting out, but I have several clients that are, um, that are very into what we're doing and even helping to do more research and try to figure out more materials we could use. Um, so it's, it's very exciting stuff. It is so very challenging when you want to make a change and, and you feel like you're hitting your head against a brick wall. So to find your people, your tribe, you know, that, that have the same passion and have the same goals, it, it makes you feel like I am doing the right thing. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was always my initial goal is to be a good steward to the environment. So if I could do it and in my market, you know, I'm, I'm one of the market leaders and people follow suit. So it's kind of nice when we bring in a new product and then all of a sudden you see another builder starting to use it. And now it's becoming a little bit more mainstream um, in my market. So it's exciting. And I, you know, and, and we're making real change. And I think people look to you and they see um, longevity and success and a successful career as a builder. And they say, well, if Michael's doing it, this must be, 
it, you know, if some kid <laughs> off the block came out and was like, hey, everybody, use green stuff for your houses, they'd be like, ah, shut up, kid. But to see someone of your of your stature to making a change, it's like, I think people sit up and take more notice. Yeah. Listen, as long as people take notice, I'm happy. As long as people mm -hmm. start making change and making the right choices, that's really the overall goal. I spoke to a, a gentleman. He's got a documentary coming out actually on Earth Day. And I got to tell you, what he told me terrified me. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, and I, I'm just I mean, I, I'm passionate about the environment to the extent that I can be, you know, the small changes. And this is something every person that's passionate about the environment says there's small changes and there's big change. Every single person can make a small change, whether they purchase trees, whether they take a shorter shower, stop using plastic water bottles, everybody and every single environmental person I've spoken to, because I've been talking to a lot because it's Earth Month and I want to, and I want to get this message out there. Everybody says you can do something from the smallest child to the oldest person. Absolutely. And we all need to do something. Uh, yeah, this is our <laughs> planet. I mean, okay, we sent a rover to Mars, but we're not there. <laughs> we can't live there. And this is this is such a great, easy project. It, it amazes I mean, the applications are so broad. Say you have to buy your your Aunt Nancy a birthday gift. Hey, Aunt Nancy, I just planted 10 trees for you or 20 trees or 50 trees. Absolutely. It's, change your perspective. I mean, does she need another another sweater? Does, does she need another tchotchke to, to sit on the shelf? No, she would probably be tickled pink. I know my one son, he had absolutely everything a teenager, you know, a preteen or teenager could want or need. And I was like, you know what, we're going to do this. And if he hates me, he hates me. But I bought in his name, I bought like, I want to say five hens for this um, village in Uganda. And they named one of the hens, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he thought it was cool. No, not every kid. Every kid would probably be like, I wanted an Xbox. But it's just, yeah, change your perspective. Christmas will be here in six, eight months. Yeah. Put them in, put, buy 10 trees and, and put a little note in your kid's stocking. Yeah, absolutely. I, I did it for, you know, I think that educating kids is, is mm -hmm. you know, one of the best things we could do um, early in this process. You know, I bought 5,000 trees for my personal house to offset mm -hmm. all of our greenhouse gas emissions. And I shared what I was doing with, with my children. Um, they're also pretty up to speed on what I'm doing with One Tree Pledge. It's, it, it, one, it feels good. Um, and I, one of my kids was doing an assignment and it was, I forget exactly what the question was. Why, what, what's something that you like to do or what's being a good steward to the environment? And he said, me and my dad are planting 1 million trees. And I was like, wow, that's our, you know, that's our next milestone. Um, mm -hmm. We just hit, we just surpassed, I think it was 104,000 trees today. Um, and we just did a partnership with another building organization called ResNet, um, which is um, a company that certifies your air tightness in your house. Um, so they have a, a goal um, over the next year to plant 300,000 trees with us um, with the goals of helping to sequester 3 million pounds of carbon per year um, in celebration of their 3 million home that was just raided through ResNet wow. or through the HERS index through the ResNet organization. So it's exciting. And when we share this information with our kids, they get excited and there's really, you know, it's, 
I always thought my kids were a little young to talk about some of the stuff that I'm doing, but they really get behind it. They're passionate about it. And every kid loves being outside. So Mm -hmm. when you talk about nature, the environment, the earth, um, it really rings a bell. So I, I saw it personally with my kids. Um, and you know, and, and it's just, it's nice when it comes out from their, their, you know, word of mouth. Um, so I might as well, you know, I just want to touch on one thing that we're also doing to try to help raise awareness for, you know, earth month and one tree pledge. We're starting what's called the tree hug challenge. So, but similar to the ice bucket challenge, we're encouraging people Mm -hmm. to go out, hug a tree, take a picture. Um, we're also encouraging people to plant 10 trees. It's not mandatory to take a post, to take a picture. Um, but we're encouraging people to, you know, get out there, support us, take a picture, hug a tree and tag it one tree pledge and tree hug challenge and try to help, you know, spread the word. And I think it's something that a lot of kids with their cell phones I mean, mine are younger and don't quite have cell phones, but something, you know, just another way of raising awareness about what we're doing for earth month and trying to just, you know, help our planet. Well, hugging a tree is something to a kid that's fun and silly. And it'll be like, dad, 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 take my picture. (laughs) Look, I'm hugging the tree. This will be, can we find you on, on Twitter or Instagram or. Yeah. So we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Um, and in the next week, we're going to be launching a whole bunch of pictures. Some people internally, some people that have already taken one tree pledge, um, are all taking pictures and in probably about another week, we're going to start posting it. Um, and put out, you know, a whole bunch of images. So if someone searches or tags tree hug challenge, you get to see like, you're not the first one, but a nice collection of old people, young people, and everyone in between hugging trees um, in celebration for Earth Day. And going back to the the kids and the environment, um, it's so important to get them involved and excited about it because it's their future and it's their kids' future that's going to be affected so adversely if we don't do things like this. Yeah. They're the ones that are going to pay for it. They're the ones that are going to suffer, not to be doom and glooming, but it's true. Yeah. You know, 40, 50 years from now, we may not be here, you and I, and, and the older, the older generation will definitely not be here. So it's the kids. We got to look at the kids and the teenagers and not necessarily put the burden on them, but to get them excited about it, to get them passionate about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the tree hug challenge. That's <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's, oh, it's so good as well because the ice bucket challenge, good cause, amazing cause, horrible challenge. <laughs> uh, no, nobody wants to, unless you're, you're some sort of crazy person, you don't want ice. You know, Oh no, I was challenged. And I said, Nope, I made a donation because I can't, I can't even. So now here comes my dumb questions in regards to planting the trees to negate the, the carbon. I always get them except dioxide. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I watched a video the other day. It was just whatever about this suite in a hotel in Vegas. I can't remember the name, which is probably good. I shouldn't shout out to him. It was, I want to say 15,000 square feet, just a suite in a hotel was 15,000 square feet. Now a place like Vegas, where if you see a tree, you won big. So here's my dumb question. The trees that are planted, say in Oklahoma, it doesn't matter the location to where the emissions are coming from, because it all goes up into our atmosphere. This is my dumb question. I prefaced it by saying this is my dumb question, but that oxygen goes up 
into the atmosphere and will negate it no matter how far away it is? Y yes. So, you know, right now we, we just passed a threshold for over 400 parts per million of carbon in the atmosphere. I think that was taken um, somewhere in Alaska. Obviously, as you go higher up in the, in the atmosphere, you have jet streams that are moving air around the globe constantly at very high pressures. So eventually through osmosis, you know, there's an equilibrium that, that factors in. Um, so whether the trees are in California, New Jersey, Florida, Texas, they're still providing benefit. Um, the trees still require carbon dioxide um, to grow um, and, and expel clean oxygen. So the trees that we're planting um, are sequestering or helping to sequester approximately 13 pounds of carbon per year. Um, after we factor in an 80 per, or an 80% survival rate, we're using a conservative number of 10 pounds per year um, for our math calculations, just to err on the side of conservative. See, I ask the dumb questions so my listeners don't have to. <laughs> no, there's no such thing. It's, you know, information is everything. It is just so sad. We have, I'm in Florida and I don't know if this is a Florida thing, but it seems like a small gas station, I won't, will just close up and then open a massive one just down the road. And then that little gas station sits there on the corner for years and years or strip mall. We're really bad with strip malls down here. And we drive by, my son and I, we drive by one almost all the, almost every day, all the time. And it's been empty, sitting empty. And he always asks, well, what are they going to do with that? And I said, well, because it's a gas station, I explained that, you know, there's something that they have to do with the tanks. They have to dig them up. They have to. And I said, well, they'll probably put another gas station there. Now there's a gas station on this corner. There's a gas station on this corner. I don't know why we need one on this corner as well, but that's Florida for you. Probably everywhere, but that's Florida definitely for you. And he said, what do you want them to put there? And I said, I would love if they would tear it all down and plant a bunch of grass and trees on it. So I don't, for years, and I've always felt this way, seeing abandoned strip malls or abandoned gas stations, why don't we? Is it money? Is it the owner of the property won't let it be done? I don't understand why we don't just seed everything. If, if it has sat there, like, why don't people knock it down and plant some trees? Yeah, I mean, that's a loaded question. So being in the real estate industry, um, you know, it's there's obviously ownership that the gas that the previous gas station had um, that, that went out of business or was defunct. Um, so it's really just a, a money economic play. Um, I think that there probably needs to be government regulation because you're right. If something's abandoned, um, there's no reason that it should sit decrepit. Um, but I think that that's, you know, going to take government regulation to put in some type of some type of rule or law or zoning. Um, that would help to mitigate abandoned properties. Well, starting at a city level, probably city, then state. Then. Yeah. Well, yeah. It could be in a local zoning. You'd need a progressive local zoning board. They could mm -hmm. get it done. <laughs> I'm getting ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. It's just something that never made sense to me. And I grew up, I grew up climbing trees. I grew up playing in the woods and to see such just this expanse of concrete, it just, it hurts your heart. Yeah. It really does. And just, from the time of me being a kid or a teenager to now, it's just uh, the population exploded around here first. And then I agree. I yeah. agree. Get out there and plant trees, people. <laughs> <laughs> I go, agree. Go, go hug the trees and then go plant the trees because this is this is our, our mother earth. This is our planet. This is we need to leave something better for our kid. And yeah, we might have inherited a lot of the problems, but 
it doesn't mean we can't do something about it. Absolutely. And that was my whole premise is, you know, I looked at my activities and I said, I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. And with a little research, a little, you know, um, a little effort, I was able to come up with a very easy way that's really scalable and anyone could do it just by going to our website at onetreepledge.org. Um, you could read about it and there's a simple button, plant trees, put in the amount of trees you want to put for a dollar a tree. That's it. It's, it's amazing. I I'm going to plant a bunch of trees here in a little bit when we get done. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> it, it's just so funny to me that if your dad left you his old decrepit Mustang, but you knew that underneath all of that was beauty, would you just let it sit or would you do something to, to make it beautiful again, to make it healthy again, to make it run better? It's just, it's, there's so many simple things that we can do. I mean, starting with hugging a tree or planting a tree or walking around your house and take a look and be like, oh, wow. Okay. I didn't notice that this window doesn't, it doesn't quite shut all the way. So maybe we should look into, and I know a lot of it might, you know, financially driven because not everybody can afford to redo their entire houses, but I know that there are are small things that you can do. You can get uh, weather stripping or you can, to make your house a little more eco-friendly, you can buy a new washer and dryer. You know, there's so many options out there now that, that just weren't there before. I mean, when I grew up, we had a furnace (laughs) in our house and I'm sure that that was not very eco-friendly at all. (laughs) You know, we had, we had a fireplace and a furnace, but I'm just so, so happy to have talked to you because this is great. This yeah, is thank than, you. This is better than the chickens as much as I loved supporting the, the village. <laughs> and seriously, can we get this as a fundraiser for the elementary schools or the, or the high schools maybe? Absolutely. All it is is really awareness. People want to do something. All we're trying to do is provide them with information and an outlet where they could do something very, very easy, very simply. Um, and once someone takes the pledge or plants trees, we send them a certificate letting them know um, thinking on how many trees were planted, where they were planted in partnership with our, you know, um, our, our planting partner, American Forest. So American Forest is, currently has, I'd say, probably four to six projects that they're doing at any one point. Um, so they focus on a geographic area. I know very shortly they're going to be looking at some of the areas that were, um, that were burnt down in the California wildfires. And they're working to prevent, they're working to plant, you know, a lot more fire resistant species of wood that are also going to help to regenerate the animal agriculture and prevent runoff water. So unfortunately, we're not selecting the type of tree and where to plant it, but we do tell you um, where the trees are going to be planted. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, California without, without their trees and without the root system, they, they're more susceptible to the mudslide. There's... So, so they get devastated by the wildfires and then they get devastated by the mudslides. Poor California. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in the same boat with climate change that we all have to take action now. You know, we're seeing it firsthand in California last year, but the effects of climate change are really going to be widespread and affect every single one of us, whether or not we want to admit it to our ourselves or not. Um, and it's just a matter of time. So, right. you know, there's no better time than right now to start taking these actions and these steps to start making change. Exactly. Just because you're, you know, you feel you're safe in the center of the country, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Iowa or somewhere, because we, we have a lot of beach erosion here and that's a problem. Uh, we have, you were talking about the the rivers and the, the waters clearing up and beginning of the pandemic, we noticed that as well. The, uh, the Indian River and the Banana River were clearing up from their algae bloom just because 
people weren't out driving, people weren't out boating, they weren't out, you know, doing all those things that were killing the river. And it's so sad to see that it going, it's not as bad, I don't believe, but it's going back because Florida can't behave itself. But it's just like, did you said how like our land, our, our earth was like, oh my God, the humans are staying home. We can, we can heal ourselves a little bit. And the, the skies of LA got clearer. God, it was so beautiful. Yeah. It's the la- it's, it just shows you what our activities actually do. You know, and when we slow down, even for a little bit, we watch nature try to help regenerate itself and, and you can see it firsthand. So it's Absolutely. pretty hard to, you know, turn your head from that. Right. Um, it's hard to ignore when it's right there in your face. Exactly. I mean, you're you're you people are on there liking those Instagram pictures of those blue skies, and you got to read the message as well. Yeah. And not not to not to vilify humanity because you know that's us, but you're right. I think we are um, self-absorbed to the point of we're not going to notice that we're in trouble until we're really in trouble, and then it's going to be too late. So yeah. people people like you, people that are. are doing things to help her heal and to bring awareness and to do something and provide something that that people can do with a click, you know, or as a fun thing to do, you know, with your boyfriend or your kids or whatever and be like, honey, go hug that tree. I'm going to Insta. It's great. It's so great. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. I think people feel overwhelmed sometimes. They read especially not to get on the news again, but they'll read the news or they'll watch the news and they'll just think, well, well, that's bad. I'm not, I don't know what I can do about it. And you want to be like, want to shake and be like, you can do something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it, it, I don't know. So it's onetreepledge.org, not com, as I found when I was trying to search earlier. And you can, you plant as many trees as you want to sponsor. That's correct. Minim- minimum of 10 but you know what $10 is $10 because how much are you going to spend on a Starbucks or how much are you going to spend at McDonald's you're going to spend and then what are you going to do you're going to throw that plastic cup and plastic straw in the garbage it's going to go to a landfill so for $10 people plant 10 trees plant 10 trees it'll help mitigate 100 pounds of carbon per year for the next 50 to 75 years at a minimum but donate more if you can absolutely I mean come on people Ten dollars. I can't go. I can't go to Walgreens without spending twenty dollars. So I can. I can plant twenty trees. If I can do it, anybody else can do it. Honestly, I agree. I encourage everyone to do it. It's fantastic. And you've only been doing this for a year. Less than a year. So came up with the concept right around Earth Day of last year. Um, and by doing the research, forming the partnerships, it might have been a month after Earth Day. Um, but technically the idea was hatched last Earth Day. How many trees have been planted since then? Uh, over 104,000 just through American forests. And then we do have other people that are planting through other organizations as well that have taken one tree pledge. Um, so well over a hundred thousand. And this right now, it's just for the, for the U S I don't open to anyone. (laughs) No, no, no. It's open to anyone and everyone. We're living on the same planet. Um, whether you're in Asia, Europe, Africa, Antarctica. So we're all inhabiting this earth together. So I would say it's really global, um, but we're focusing our outreach more domestically. And do you see, or do you hope to see this go a little more global? Absolutely. I, you know, my goal is to raise awareness. Um, We're starting some other campaigns about educating builders on best practices um, that we're going to be launching probably in the next 30 days. 
Um, that's going to be another nonprofit called sustainablebuilder.org. That's, that's just educating builders and people building homes about how to make better choices with their materials, how to source materials better, as well as some new methods to really help cut the, um, cut the electrification and gas usage on the homes. What we're talking about doing is not the bare minimum. Um, we're really showing you how to take methods um, 10 steps further um, and, and reducing your, your electric consumption by close to 90%. Um, the goal is to be eventually to net zero, but we could help with um, carbon sequestration methods like planting trees and eventually carbon capture to, to really get down to net zero. But, the, you know, it's, it's a multi-pronged approach, um, but there's, you know, we're going to be leading the industry and telling them, you know, what they could do to cut their, you know, like I said, cut their electrification by over 90%. Oh, 90% is good. Yeah. I know here, it seems like natural gas is more of a novelty. It's not as common. It's more electric. And I think to an extent, electricity use is better than natural gas, obviously, because we're not, we're not drilling into the earth and taking the gases. Is that right? So it, that's a debatable, you know, it's debatable, but nothing is good. I mean, deriving our electricity from natural clean sources through wind and solar is obviously the best, you know, and that's definitely the trend going forward. And, and I I think that we're going to get there, but trading off a coal fired plant versus a natural gas fired plant on which is worth, they're both bad. Um, We hate them. Solar all the way, solar and wind all the way. We just had somebody knock on the door a couple of days ago to sell selling solar panels. And we were like, Hey, come on in. But so I think, especially in these, in these sun saturated States, like Florida or California, Arizona, you know, New Mexico, we should all, and again, I think it came down to a cost decision. I think we should all have solar panels. It, it makes no sense because you can generate so much energy to where you actually have too much and it goes back. And here, I believe in, in the area I'm in, in Florida, the electric company will cut you a check if your energy usage and or your energy production versus your energy usage. It's so that's, that's a nice step on their part, especially since it's kind of like, isn't that your business <laughs> is making the money power company. But yeah, so they're like, if you put the solar panels up and every bill, there's something, well, you know, paper, but every bill, there's something in there about the solar panel project. So that's kind of nice. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's elsewhere, if it, it, there's such a push for it, but it would be nice. Absolutely. So I think with the, you know, the new administration, so a, a lot of this came about with energy deregulation and federal regulation that was mandating a certain amount of renewables. And the only way for companies to, to accomplish that was through these partnerships with homeowners putting solar panels on their house, um, you know, and selling it back at peak demand when the house wasn't drawing electricity. So I'm not as up to date with the political, um, the political landscape and what's going on. However, the new administration has made it a priority to have the majority of the country's electric or um, be generated from clean sources. So I, I know that we're going to see a lot more in the way of electrical um, origination through through renewables. So it's exciting. And, you know, whether it's solar, it's wind, I, I think at a bigger scale, there might even be some nuclear options, but there's going to be a big push going forward for clean energy, which is exciting. It is exciting. 
and it seems like it's always been kind of a, a science fiction, but it it's something that it's not that it's easy to do, but it's such a an obvious choice because we have the technology, especially um, now, especially just in the past few years, instead of these massive panels or little tiny, you know, little tiny tiles, they're they're not as bulky and as um, unwieldy and just obvious as they were. They could just be. You could just paper your roof with these tiles, these solar tiles, and get that clean energy. And it, it's so, that's why science is so wonderful, because these advancements come along, and they help us to make better choices. Absolutely. What a world. What a time. And and you said something, and, and we don't usually get into politics so much, but you said something that a lot of people I've talked to recently have said in regards to these changes that need to be made to halt the, um, like you said, the, what is it, the amount of carbon in the atmosphere? When it reaches that level, it's the point of no return. And there's also the temperature, I think, when it reaches a certain temperature is kind of like the point of no return. This is just what other people, environmentalists, have been telling me over the past few weeks. We're reaching the point where it's going to be irreversible. And even if we do you get to the point where we make enough changes to where it can we can halt it and start the the reversing process? It's still going to be decades before she's back. What is considered health, and that's why we were talking about our kids and our grandkids are the the ones that if we can make these changes and if we can prevent you know any further climate change, they're the ones that are going to benefit or conversely suffer because of it. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's really. I mean, this is a long game. <laughs> unfortunately it's a very um, long game <laughs> it's a very long game so you're absolutely right the results of our actions will be seen in decades um and the problem is going to continue to get worse for decades but we need to take action now so in future decades um we're mitigating w- what's going to happen right it's definitely a marathon yeah we can't we can't rush to that finish line those of us that are voting and deciding things we need to when we go to the polls we need to be more conscious and more thoughtful in who we're voting for and read up on on your mayor on your congressman on your president on your whomever read up what are their thoughts on clean energy what are their thoughts on the environment and and you know how did they vote previously when something of importance to the to the earth came up and just make your decisions there because ultimately it's the leadership that's going to make those decisions that allow us to move forward in a positive way absolutely and hopefully we're not waiting around for politicians to solve this problem for us we all got to take our actions and what we could do now but you're 100 percent right when we're going to the polls and we're looking let's look at what their you know what their mentality and mindset is for this actual real problem um, that we're facing. So, right. you know, th- the good thing is, is that by just planting trees, it's pretty hard to argue that nah, it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Right. I, I feel like planting trees is not divisive at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree on that, except for, you know, horrible people, but we don't like them. <laughs> Voting is one step that we can, planting trees is one step we can take. And it, this is what goes back to what we were talking about, the little steps and the big steps that we can take. If you bite it off in these bite-sized more um, morsel. It's not, you're not choking on trying to do so much. To my point, we are the ones that are making, we are voting for the people that are making decisions. We are making decisions that we may not be here for. And I think that that can be considered very selfish or thoughtless. And it, it's just aggravating. It's like if your great grandma decided that you could not have 
whatever when you were in your 20s, you'd be like, what the heck, granny? Why would you make a decision that affects me? And I feel like our kids and and our grandkids that we don't have yet, obviously, because we're too young, but they're the ones that are going to be like, what the heck, great grandma? What the heck, grandpa? Why did you, why didn't you do something when you looked around and you saw how terrible things were or how, why didn't you plant a tree? Why didn't you do the crazy tree hug challenge that everybody was doing? Why, why were you so stubborn? Don't you love me? <laughs> exactly. No, no, you're, you're, you're so right. And you know, me, I have a seven or a, she just turned eight this week, um, an eight and a nine-year-old. And something happens when you're a parent that, you know, life becomes more about, you know, yourself and you start really thinking about your kid's future and Mm -hmm. when they get married and have kids and their future. And it's really future generations. And it's not fair to stick our own family and future generations Mm -hmm. with a monumental problem that they're not going to have time to solve. Right. It's, it's like an, uh, an environmental debt that we're leaving them with. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to charge up all this stuff and then I'm going to leave you with the bill. So that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> such a, a, a thing to do with the kid because you can get them out there and you can be excited when the envelope or the email comes, look, look, our trees got planted guys, you know, look, oh my God, it's in, it's in California. It's in Alaska. It's wherever. And be like, you could inspire them. You know, who knows? Maybe the next time they get 10 bucks from, from their grand grandparents for their birthday, be like, mom, I want to plant some more trees. Wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, because they're so impressionable in a good way that they get excited about, we get excited. Absolutely. So let's get excited about trees. Let's get excited about the environment. Absolutely. Everyone have your kids go out there, hug a tree, take a hug picture. That tree. Mm-hmm. Hashtag a tree hug challenge. One tree pledge. <laughs> and you are, you said you're on Facebook. One tree we're, pledge. We're at one tree pledge on Facebook, one tree pledge on Instagram, one tree pledge.org on our website. Um, okay. And those are our communication channels for right. You got to get on the Twitter though. You got to get on Twitter. <laughs> they love the hashtags on the Twitter. <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. I love talking to people who are passionate about the environment and the fact that you are a builder and you know the waste and the impracticality of some of the things that you were using, not currently using, that you were using and making those changes. It's it's amazing to talk. I admire you very much. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you for the time and the opportunity to talk to you, your listeners, and help us spread awareness on what we're doing, as well as giving people a tool um, so they could start to make changes themselves and make better choices. Right. And feel good that you did something for just $10. Exactly. Michael, exactly. it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Keep doing that good work. (laughs) Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.